our approach was really community focused. How can our community leverage digital to improve and get the efficiencies? Because I guess from our perspective, if we're really pushing that through the community, the business as a council is going to have to move along with that as well. So for us, it's really been economic development driven. It's about how can we attract more residents, more businesses, more tourism to our area? How can we retain our youth in our area? Because we have been a declining population in Southern Grampianshire Council for various reasons, but how can we switch that around and how can we be a point of difference to attract those cohorts either back or to our region and help our region thrive? Hi, Smart Community friends. In this episode of the Smart Community Podcast, I have a really wonderful conversation with Russell Bennett. Russell has been the Manager of Business Systems at Southern Grampians Shire Council since April of 2015, and prior to his current role, he has worked as an IT project manager and business analyst across a number of different industries, both in the private and public sectors. In this episode, Russell tells us about his background in business, IT, and project management, what sparked his interest in the smart community space, and what has driven the Southern Grampian Shire's smart community approach. Russell then talks about the Digital Innovation and Smart Agriculture, or DISA, festival the council has started to help educate the community. Before he takes us through some of the use cases for the use of LoRaWAN and IoT in the Southern Grampians. We then discuss the importance of embedding data into our decision making and educating the community about the use of data as well as the importance of embedding the smart community approach across our organisations. And Russell also tells us about his favourite project that he has been working on. We finish our chat discussing the emerging trends of leveraging data to improve emergency services decision making. As always, we hope you enjoy listening to this episode as much as we enjoy making it. Welcome to the smart community, smart regions, smart towns, and smart cities. It's where we live, work, and play with smart communities. The future starts today. Big data, smart mobility, emerging trends galore. The Smart Community Podcast is what you're looking for. Hello, Russell. How are you today? G'day, Zoe. Good to see you. I'm well. Yes, it's so good to see you. I feel like we haven't talked in a long time, actually. No, it would be a bit over a year since just before Victoria hit lockdown and you were down visiting us. That's right. And I had to chase the border back because there were, yeah, borders were slamming shut all over the place, let's just say. What a wild ride. But anyway, we're here now and I'm really keen to dig into some of the things that you've been working on. So let's start with you. Tell us about your background and what you're passionate about. Um, Background. So originally a Melbourne boy, studied sort of business and IT in uni and worked sort of business analyst, project management sort of work. Married a country girl and ended up in uh, rural southwest Victoria and started my first gig in uh, local government in 2015 for Southern Grampianshire Council as their business systems manager or manager business systems, same thing. Yeah, and been here ever since, which has been a really good move for us. And yeah, I guess the smart cities, or or I prefer smart communities being a a rural uh, area that we're in, I guess I first got interested into that 
probably around the 2016, 2017 time, going to a few conferences in Melbourne about technology in, in government and local government and seeing the possibilities that that smart communities and all these sensors and stuff could do. And I was really interested to see how we could apply that to a rural community. And that sort of sparked my interest back then and uh, has been ever since, just trying to implement and see the opportunities for, it's a little bit different from Metro for us out here. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I've always been really impressed with the work that you've been doing down there because I think that you really have, I guess, grabbed onto that community element as well and that you don't have to be a massive city to reap the, the rewards or see some of the benefits and also really curious and exploring that space as well. When I was down around this time last year, oh, about I think it was May last year, it was really great to see how much the community was on board or, or the people that were at the, the conference that we were at, community members, businesses, but then also the collaboration that was happening between the different councils and areas too and realising that that was really necessary to be able to leverage the scale that is required to be able to do some of this stuff, but then also to really think about those problems that you're trying to solve as well across the region. So really that regional, smart regions approach, which I really liked. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I suppose we have been doing a lot of work in that space. When I look back about when I first started in 2015 for council, we sort of went a little bit of a different approach to digital transformation, which everyone wants to achieve and all that sort of stuff. There was a lot that I was seeing that was very internally focused, looking at how council can do better, which is great and it needs to happen. But our approach was really, as you mentioned, community focused. Uh, how can our community leverage digital to improve and get the efficiencies? Because I guess from our perspective, if, if we're really pushing that through the community, the business as a council is going to have to be move along with that as well. So, you know, for us, it's really been an really economic development driven, really. It's about how can we attract more residents, more businesses, more tourism to our area? How can we retain our youth in our area? Because, you know, we have been a declining population in Southern Grand Pinchire Council because for various reasons, but how can we switch that around and how can we be a point of difference to attract those cohorts either back or to our region and help our region thrive. And we've, we've been seeing how working with, I guess, you know, how can digital enable that as well? So that's been really our driver back from 2015. So, you know, we're a massive, a big agricultural community here. So looking at smart ag, how can we build the understanding within our community about the opportunities? How can we get people to test and trial this technology to, to help them make better decisions on their farm operations and, and all that jazz. So that's really been the driver for us over the last, you know, five, six years. Yeah, I like what you said about using the community as a catalyst or the community being a catalyst for change. So really focusing on the community. So then you go, okay, well, we're telling businesses they need to be making better decisions with data or, you know, farms or things, or not even that they have to be, but that they could the opportunity you know, have the opportunity to, right? Then what are we doing internally at council as well? And then drive that, you know, using that as a catalyst to then drive change both internally and externally, which, yeah, I, I really, I like that approach. It's an interesting way to think about it. Yeah, it is. And it's been working for us, which is great. The event that you came down and, and 
was our sp- key speaker for last year, which is the Digital Innovation and Smart Agriculture Festival, which is something that we're really passionate about. And we've ran two of those events, one in 2019 and one in 2021 that just fit in before lockdown. And that was really about, it's an education piece, if nothing else, originally. like We were really fortunate to get the Federal Smart Cities and Suburbs Round 1 grant. That was back in 2017. Prior to that, we've done some really good strategy work, which was, again, more economic development driven. And and we partnered with our neighbouring council to do that strategy work as well. And and sort of that fed into a more dedicated piece around, all right, we had the vision about where we want to get to. What are the stepping stones to get there? So we had another piece of work around, you know, smart community framework and roadmap to sort of make that happen. And fortunately, it was a really good timing when that grant came out. So then we actually had some dollars to play with in this, which was, you know, that's always a challenge for small rural councils to take the leap to invest in something new, something different, something that hasn't been tried before and proven, you know, historically councils are not great at taking risks like that. So it was a bit of a risk for our council. You know, it wasn't a massive amount of dollars. We're only talking, it was $150,000 we got from the feds and council matched that with another $150,000. So we had $300,000 to sort of implement our strategy and roadmap. And part of that, so, you know, we did, we invested in a number of different things like IoT, LoRaWAN network was probably the big kicker that we did. Connectivity was always a struggle in our area. So we invested in LoRaWAN, but also invested in things like public Wi-Fi. Again, it's not groundbreaking stuff, but for a community that doesn't necessarily have easy access to connectivity, it was amazing to see the take-up of our public Wi-Fi network. But from a smart ag perspective, getting the LoRaWAN connectivity out there, like we've got now, we've got around 18 gateways around our shire, which is great. And they're not all council-owned, which is fantastic as well. We were always sort of seeing like we can be the fire starter for this, but we can get our community invested to take it forward. That's really good. And, you know, as part of that funding, we committed to do an education piece and, we were thinking about the best way to do that. Traditionally, council to educate people would go out and do community consultation and all that sort of stuff, which, you know, that wasn't really going to hit the mark for this. So we took the leap of faith and, and created our own conference, our own event, this Digital Innovation and Smart Agriculture event, which was about education, you know, test and trial. We partnered with farms and got technology on the farms and then took farmers out there to talk to the other farmers that are playing with this technology here at from their experience rather than a sales experience. And um, we've just seen... Straight from the farmer's mouth. Yeah, exactly. And we've seen, I guess, the snowball effect of that over the last few years where more farmers are willing to take that investment, which is great. We've got even a local startup in our shire, which was, you know, it's only one, but, you know, back in 2015, 2016, when we started, it was unheard of. Startup in a tech space in Southern Grampian Shire, who would have thought it? But, you know, we've got a startup called Farmo, a guy by the name of Nick Seymour that really saw the opportunity and he is creating or, you know, he's selling, innovating LoRaWAN-based ag devices and supporting our local farmers in not only Southern Grampian Shire, but our region now for that technology. And that is a massive, that's what it was all about, creating a new business. It's only one, but it's a start and hopefully that will grow into the future. Yeah, again, it's that catalyst piece as well. And I'm keen to hear, like, obviously we started to talk about some of the projects and things you've been working on. What are some of the use cases or what were some of the, one, what were some of the initial use cases you thought you were going to use the LoRaWAN and then the IoT for? And then what is it being used for now? 
Yeah. Uh, initially, it was around uh, environmental data was something that we went on to do, like weather, more localised weather information. We have one Bureau of Meteorology station in our shire, which is about 10 k's north of the main township in Hamilton. And weather can be so varied between the breadth of our shire. So, you know, we invested in, in weather stations in all of our townships. So that's 10 townships. The other, which was great, localised weather data, which we thought would be a real kicker for our local community to use. It's been okay. I wouldn't say it's been gangbusters. Probably the, the best internal use case that we've seen used is a flood monitoring solution that we've put in. So we had a flood event in one of our townships, Coleraine, which was going to say about 2016. And from that, we wanted to have better information, better data to be able to manage an event like that in the future. So we invested in these um, LoRaWAN ultrasonic distance monitors and put them under bridges down our, our waterways. And so now we can get real-time information about the depth or height of the water, which now we can use when we have a flood events like that to help trigger the council response. So there's certain Certain trigger points, you know, once it gets to a certain amount, our works team will mobilise and set up the temporary levy where always it's going to breach when we have a significant flood event. And we can know upstream if it's still rising or we've hit our peak and how long that takes for that peak to hit down in the township where our lake is. That's probably been the best use case we've put in and the best case because we're actually making decisions out of that data, business decisions out of that data. We've done a number of other pilots, which haven't, like, they've been good, but not necessarily impacting a business decision. That's the key for us. So, you know, we've done things like parking sensors and bin sensors, sensors to um, utilisation of a place or a space, whether that's on a gate and our dog park, put a new dog park in and wanted to know utilisation data. It's been good data to get, but truthfully, I wouldn't say we're using that data to the most of its advantage yet. I think that's a really good point and thanks so much for bringing it up. It's something I talk to councils about a lot, actually. It's like, okay, we invested in the technology. This is what we thought we needed or, or this is we thought this would be really useful. But now the next step, and I think it's a level of maturity then in this whole space, is what do we actually do with this data? How do we embed it into our decision-making process where we need to or where we can or where it makes sense to do so because there's some things that you go oh this will be really useful but then truth be told maybe it's not as useful as you thought but actually it has a sideline use or, or whatever the case is um obviously thinking about you know personal data and privacy and security and all those type of things as well but simple things like knowing how many people are going in and out of the dog park for example but and then thinking about well okay is it saturated is it happening all the time do we need a new dog park is it in the right location is there another thing that we need to be doing or oh actually be really good to know who not necessarily who you know zoe or or russell but what type of people are using that park and is there another location that's similar in has similar demographics that then we could think about how we put something in there or whatever the case is yeah i think there's a i think there's a really big opportunity for around asset rationalization around yeah. you know you look at council and the number of assets we have i look at us and go you know how many public halls do we have scattered around our region how many playgrounds 
all these different things. And, you know, if we're looking at being more strategic in how we invest, you know, I look at our lake, Lake Hamilton, we've got three separate playgrounds around there. You know, should we keep investing in three separate playgrounds or do we go, well, actually two of them are used a hell of a lot more than the other. Maybe we scrap one and really better invest and make them the other two even better. You know, those sort of things, you know, even public toilets, the usage of them and can we rationalise our assets and go, you know, we've got two in this township. It's a small township. Do we need two? Can one suffice? What's the usage like across both of them? Those sort of decisions is where I see us as a council really taking the next step moving forward. Yeah, I agree. And also like, yeah, that strategic placement of new things or parks or, I don't know, developments or, or whatever the case is or helping others make those decisions as well. I mean, you know there's a use case in say I think it's South Australia but basically they're looking at where to put the new like a kindergarten or something like that and instead of just going oh well we think it's here they actually looked at the data and who's moving in and, and what type you know the demographics of that area and that type of thing so they're able to make better decisions about that in a way obviously that data was always available but they were able to visualize it and so then you know I think we underestimate or we sorry we overestimate a human's ability to see numbers as we'll see data as actual useful information. We need to really make it clear of how how this could be valuable and how we could use it. So I think even just that visualization element of it, bringing that all into one place. So it's not just, oh, well, I'm looking at that over there separately. And then that actually, if I bring that together and put it in a, you know, a nice visualization, then people can actually make sense of it, you know, brains and then make a better decision. But I guess people might say, you know, big data, you know, just that's scary, whatever, all this data has been collected. But I guess the thing is we're making decisions about these things now. We're just using, you know, maybe not all of the data that's available. And a lot of this data is just available now. So how do we then better utilise it? But then, like you said, as councils are investing in more and more technology and data, actually reaping the benefits of that too and leveraging those investments to actually be able to make those better decisions too. So I think that's really important. I think that is the next level of maturity in this space too. Yeah, agree. Yeah, I look at what we've done. Like we've done a number of cool things like pilots and all that sort of stuff. But as I said before, are we actually, is it self-sustaining? Are we getting our value out of it? So we're now moving into being, you know, rather than just running out and trialing all this stuff, it's now around, all right, problem. What's the problem? And, where, you know, what outcome do we want? And how can technology help there? And, you know, I look at our internally we've still got a long way to go in regards to embracing this network like we've got certain pockets of the organization that get it and are going wow that's awesome and actually getting value out of it but i still think we've got a lot of work internally to really still advocate and for understanding and what the benefits are and and how the investment's going to enhance the outcomes that they're looking for as well yeah it's really that embedding that smart community concept and by the time this episode comes out so we're talking about the future our podcast panel will be out, which is exactly around that, moving beyond the hype and embedding smart communities. Because I think you're right, that is the next step. That ha- well, has to be the next step if we want to actually shift and change in this space. Smart communities is not just about doing a pilot or a project or whatever. It's actually about how does the governance, which is a boring word, but how does the, the government fundamentally shift so we can make better decisions within local councils, but also within state government as well, but then also the community because we're using our, you know, whatever our investments are, the best of our ability and using that data to make better decisions. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, this sort of, you know, the, the uh, 
the governance or the alignment between, yeah, you know, what's possible, what makes sense, you know, it's been great to play in the space. And I look at councils that are starting to play in this space and sort of look at our learnings and go, yeah, it's not just a matter of throwing money at it anymore, which, you know, throwing money and go, yep, you can play in it. You can say you're a smart community or a smart city now because you've got some senses. But yeah, really tying that all together, it's really got to be coming to that. Out- what outcome are we looking to achieve and, and how can technology assist? Yeah, yeah, no, totally true. Now, I want to go to the future, but first, can you tell us about your favourite, I guess, project or concept or activity that you've been doing in this space with the council? My favourite activity has probably been the community events that we've been doing, truthfully, that I touched on earlier, that Digital Innovation and Smart Agriculture Festival, which has been, it's been a lot of work. It's been a stretch for council to do something a bit different for us to do that ourselves, but to see the take-up of people coming to that event and what's come out of that has been amazing. Like It's not the traditional two-day conference event, which you were a part of last year, Zoe, you know, which is two days of whether it's showcasing technology on farm or workshops and then the actual like sit-down conference, talk about what's going on in the future. That's really great. But also as part of that, which you would have missed, is our community-focused event as well, which was really around our youth. So we take over a part of the town and bring in all the schools, the high schools and their STEM programs and the TAFE, Southwest TAFE and Deakin University, bring them in. And it's all about showcasing the digital opportunities that are available locally and getting kids to just play with, you know, whether it's playing with a VR headset or flying a drone or getting under, you know, playing with a bit of coding and all that sort of stuff. We're we're trying to create, not trying to create, we're trying to showcase that you can stay local and still follow those paths, those digital pathways, and trying to grow those digital pathways locally. For me, that's that's the big kicker for us, trying to retain our youth and partnering well and, and all that sort of stuff. We just, because of the lockdown last year, we actually had to delay that part of, of our DISA event last year, and we only had it a month ago. It took that long to, to get it back going, but it was great to see, you know, we had all these school kids come through, really excited, having a ball. And we had some workshops around using hydro stuff and empowering little devices. And yeah, that's really great. And that's, uh, we're looking to grow that into the future because I think that's the real change stuff. That's the cultural change that's getting the community on board, which is what we're all about. Yeah, I love that. I mean, it's embedding it, right? Like I think it's embedding it throughout the community, getting people talking about it. But then also, like you said, I think, there's a talent retention piece in smart communities as well. Obviously, within like the local area to say you can do this here, it looks it may look different, but you can create these opportunities because we we care about this stuff and we know it's important. But then also within council too, like if you yeah, thinking about how we can encourage people to work within councils and bring their good ideas and be able to shift and change things and really impact the community, I think that's a really I guess, fundamental point of embracing smart community concept too that maybe doesn't get talked about as much because, you know, we think about how we can, if we're not doing things, I guess, efficiently, effectively, when you bring a new person in, why are we doing it like this? Whereas if you're embracing technology and also embracing your new ideas and innovation, then people, hopefully, then people feel like they can actually input and make difference and change. And as we know, purpose and things like that are becoming more and more important in the jobs that we do so I think that's another key point and then yeah going out to say oh yeah well this is 
we do care about this. We're here in the community to really showcase what we're doing, but then also get people's ideas in there as well. Yeah, correct. And what we're working on at the moment is how we grow that event. And we're looking at it's still early days and still a lot of red tape to go through, but we're looking at how we can take it around different parts of Victoria, the same sort of concepts. So, you know, having a digital focused event that is rural focused, not metro focused. So clear delineation. There's a great, there are great events for digital and IoT and all that sort of stuff, but a lot of it is metro focused. So, you know, we see that we've got a really good, I guess, structure of an event that we've proven works well. So how can we start taking that to other parts of Victoria so that, you know, they can start in their own communities? How can they promote smart agriculture? How can they promote opportunities for their youth around digital? So we see that's what we're working on at the moment, which, yeah, hopefully we'll be able to make some announcements over the next couple of months, which would be cool. Amazing. Let me know. I'd love to do a road trip. But I also think it's really important I think about some of the, when I, you know, I grew up in regional Queensland and some of the the things that I remember was when we had those different events coming to our towns, not necessarily digitally focused when I was young, but just things that just got me thinking a bit differently and thinking about how I could shift and change things or, yeah, I guess just new ideas and, and also a bit of, a bit of fun, right? Like we want like a bit of difference, a bit of diversity, a bit of, thinking about how we could, you know, what other things we could be thinking about, focusing on what we could find interesting, all those type of things. I think in regional, in the regional setting is so important. I've been thinking about this kind of concept as well. That creativity piece is really key because it's not just about liking math and coding or whatever. We want creative people in this space too. Like, you know, how can we combine an arts piece with a technology piece or, you know, that ag piece with, it's some other creative industry as well. Because yep. I think you can you can do that in a regional well, you can do that anyway, but I think in a regional setting you can really yeah, shift it like shift the dial a bit and get people involved too. Yeah, it's creating that platform for innovation, which council has a role in that, I think, to to help enable it and yeah, enable that platform for creative thinking and those innovators to come in and flourish. And we've still got a long way to go in that path and by no way means saying we're there yet but you know we've started we've got some good foundations in place to be able to start keep on going down that path yeah and I think you made a good point too like like council's role in that and what and what each council wants that to be and, and what it should or could be but then also that it's partnerships right like it's collaborations it's not like council that can't do everything but then yeah how do you then bring those other collaborators in to be able to input into different activities or have a different ideas but then also take the lead on some of these things as well maybe it's just supported by council so yeah so much opportunity and I think that's where the smart community space if we can kind of bring it together and start to have those partnerships and collaborations and things and yeah we can really make a significant impact within our local communities and then beyond as well like you're saying now speaking of beyond let's go to the future now and what are some of the emerging trends that people aren't talking about enough? Good question. I think, look, from a rural perspective, where I'd like to see things go is around better linkages with our emergency services stuff. Like I, I look at flooding, bushfires, all those sort of you know events, which obviously you don't want to have, but they do happen. And I've been trying to work with places like CFA to look at, you know, if we're going to put this network out there, how can you guys leverage that? 
or how can you know you take in data that we're creating throughout our shire to help improve their decision making and you know at the moment it's sort of a roadblock because for their decision making around environmental data they use the bureau of meteorology and their data and they don't really have the ability to take in other data sets where i think there is an opportunity there to because if we start putting you know farmers that have got weather stations soil moisture sensors and all that sort of stuff we've got flood sensors down our Grangeburn River catchment, all that data, if we can pull that together to, and make it open, obviously, to make better decisions across the board of government, emergency services, all that sort of stuff, I think that would be amazing to be able to do something like that. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a really key piece in resilience as well and not just necessarily responding to the emergency. Obviously, that's a key point, but actually starting to mitigate and prevent all that early warning or and that type of thing to to reduce the impacts of certain events as well, I think is a really key piece. And like, no, the, yeah. The technology yeah. is there. It's just the the change in policy and process is, is mm. a different way of thinking, which I think will happen. It's just going to take some time to come through. Mm. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And again, it goes back to that embedding piece and that governance piece as well, right? And yeah, you need to be able to, enable people to do things differently so then some of those innovations can actually be realised and also further innovations can be created as well as we start to dig into it. Yeah, no, cool. It's been so great to chat with you on the podcast. Thank you for coming on and I'm really keen to definitely chat more. I'm keen to hear about the progress and when you, you know, if you're able to take DISA on the road, that would be really cool to hear about as well and hopefully we can meet in 3D again soon. Hopefully. <laughs> That'll work. But uh, one last question. How can people connect with you? Always through LinkedIn. I'm on there. You can shoot me a message through that. That's not a problem. Or probably my email address, which I'm happy for you to put up as part of this podcast. So, yeah. We will put all the links in the show notes so people can click away and find you. Thanks again for coming onto the podcast, Russell. And, yeah, I look forward to our next conversation. Thanks, Zoe. Thanks for the opportunity. Talk soon. Bye. See ya. The Smart Community Podcast is brought to you by My Smart Community. If you're looking for support in podcast strategy and production, workshop design and facilitation, or communication and media advisory, get in touch. Email hello at mysmart.community or head to www.mysmart.community. Thanks so much for listening to the Smart Community Podcast. Show notes for this episode and all other episodes are available on our website, mysmart.community slash podcast. If you have any questions for us or any of our guests, you can email hello at mysmart.community. You can also find us on the socials. We are on LinkedIn and Twitter at smartcomhq. That's com with two M's. If you are enjoying the podcast, please hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. And we would love for you to leave us a rating and review at wherever you listen. This really helps us reach more ears and eyes, so thank you for your support. As always, we hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed making it. Community Podcast is what you're looking for.